Can I have you do something a little different today? Because I think this is one of those messages where we kind of need to do this. So I'm going to have us do this together. It's a little exercise to get us ready to listen to God and to focus on Him and be ready for the message. So it's real simple, but I'm going to give you some instructions and then just do this, alright? What I want you to do is we're going to breathe in the Holy Spirit presence and power of God this morning. So I want you to inhale deeply, breathing in the Holy Spirit. Hold it for a second. And then exhale, releasing the negative thoughts in your head and rebuke Satan. And do that two more times. Satan, get out of here. Holy Spirit, come. Satan, get out of here. You're not welcome. Now, know that God is here. You can be still and know as you've calmed yourself that God is here. He wants to meet with you. He wants to speak with you. He is in control and He loves you completely. Know those things. He's here. He's in control. And He loves you completely. Those three things you'll need to know for your whole life, but especially during this message. So tell your soul, be still and know that God is God. And nothing can circumvent that, trump that, or go higher or more powerful than Him. Where the sin is deeper, the cross goes deeper still. Where the hurt is deeper, the cross goes further than that. He covers it all through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now that we've done that, I think we can begin to hear a story that I think you'll appreciate. And hopefully, I will... Share it in a way that makes sense to you. It's about a kid. A little kid. A little short for his age. And uh, wanted to make up for that. He rides my bus. On the afternoons. Thankfully, just the afternoon. But he is desperate for attention. He can't sit still. And if he does sit still, it's because he's mad at somebody or me. And he sits there pouting. He's got his emotions on his sleeve. If he likes somebody, you know it. If he doesn't, you know it. If he is attracted to some girl, she knows it. And she better like him or he gets really upset. He's like this little uncontrolled little animated ego running around saying, Notice me, notice me, notice me. See me, see me, see me. Like me, like me, like me. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. And I'm going to show you. Well, he um, had this problem one day and I wanted to help him with it. But you know, when your emotions are going crazy and you can't stop them, you really don't want help. You just want to calm down, right? Well, he thought he wanted help. So I said, there's four things you need to do in, in any situation. He said, but you don't know the situation. I said, okay, tell me. He said, there's this girl. I said, I knew it. There's this girl. I really wanted to like me and go out with me. And I said, okay, first thing you got to do is, are you ready? He goes, oh, and just hyper, right? Just nonstop. And, uh, and he said, okay, I'm, I'm still. What? And I said, know this. You don't need anything. And he looked at me like I was crazy. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't have any need. I shall not want. God is a faithful shepherd. So I told him, you don't need anything. Just stop acting like you need everything. And he said, 
how do I do that? And I said, that's the next three steps. First of all, stop acting like you need stuff. He said, okay, I'll work on it. He's still working on it. He didn't get to step two yet. Hopefully today, you guys will understand this morning that we are similar in that our runaway emotions and self and thoughts can tell us we need stuff. We gotta have it now. It's anxiety, sometimes it's depression, sometimes it's frustration, and all those voices in our head, they just won't stop. Now let me tell you something. Everybody has that voice in their head. And I'm not talking about um, everybody has whispers of thousands of voices. I'm talking about that one voice. The one that, you know, gives you a hard time. And here's what's funny. It doesn't speak in the first person. Mine doesn't anyway. It uses the word you. It doesn't say, I should do better. I should do this. It says, you should do better. I don't know how yours talks, but mine uses the word you all the time. So it's like judging me, criticizing. Or when I do well, it goes, hey, you did a good job there. Not, I did a good job, but you. Now, isn't it strange that it's our own voice calling us something that's not it? Usually when you say the word you, you're referring to something that isn't yourself. But it's our voice talking to us and it's calling us you instead of me. Kind of strange, isn't it? But there's a good sign to tell you that that isn't the voice of God or your own natural inclination to help yourself when it says you. That's your first clue. But that voice says, you didn't do a good enough job. You're a loser. You're too fat. Too poor. Too unlovable. You'll never amount to anything, so why even bother? It'll never turn out right. It won't matter. And you translate that and you make it personal. I am no good. I can't do this. I am a failure. And I'm going to fail no matter what. So why should I try? And the voice has convinced you that it's talking about you. Not about someone who's a child of God. The voices in your head, that voice I should say, can get quite overwhelming when it keeps sending out these messages and projecting these fears into your life. And here's the funny thing I've learned. It's not very nice. It's not friendly to me. Is yours kind to you? Does yours go, you're just the greatest person on earth. You can do anything. You are awesome. Or is it saying more detrimental things? More cutting? We have a little dog. His name is Elvis. Some people know Elvis. We, he's been here for uh, Halloween a couple of times for the our fall festival. He's a little bitty, chorky, Yorkshire, Chihuahua mix. He's about this big. Not afraid of anything until it challenges him. Whether it's a leaf or a paper bag or something blowing by in the wind, he's not afraid of it till it comes close. But he'll bark at it. Doesn't matter what it is. And he'll say, there's something there. That's what he's saying. There's something there. I'm going to bark at it. And everybody's going to know that it's there. And I'm bigger than that. As long as it doesn't come close. And when it comes close, he barks and then runs. He whimpers, as a matter of fact, and runs. And he'll... And runs. And still walking away going... But now he's lost his, his courage. 
But you ever met a dog like that that there's a little noise and just barks forever? Yes. Let me tell you something. I was a little frustrated with our dog until I realized that's the nature of a chihuahua. Chihuahuas do that. I didn't know that when we got him. I thought they just, you know, trainable. Well, you can't train what is. You can't make a dog stop that's designed to do that. So all you can do is like, kill him. <laughs> or be frustrated with him in anger, you know what I mean? But he's, he's, like, he's like that voice in our head, it won't shut up. And you, and you ever tried to tell your voice in your head is telling you no good, just, just stop. Stop, for goodness sakes. Leave me alone for a minute. Let me think. And it's your own head that's doing it, right? Amen. Well, behind that voice is worry or anxiety, depression, some sort of fear. All sorts of things can make that thing just go into, what do you call it? Hype mode, hyper mode. But that voice is kind of like our little dog. It's a hyper alert, aggressive watchdog. It's always overreacting to everything. It always does. Because it's not based on something that it knows, it's based on something it fears. Or a pain that it doesn't want to have. Now here's the thing. God designed our brain beautifully. And one of its functions is to protect you. So that voice actually has some benefit because it is actually making you see another perspective. It's why it talks to you like you're not it. Oh, it says you, you know. It's like, well, you need to think about this. And you're going, oh, maybe I should. So it's there for a purpose. And when it works and does its job, it's wonderful. It does things that helps us. But at times it becomes so toxic that we can't even breathe, let alone get anything done or feel positive or encouraged. Anybody relate to this? Sometimes that voice says, well, I'm better than them. Let me say this this way. It doesn't always say it with those words. Good thing you don't smell like they do. You work hard. They should work. That's the voice now saying it. Criticizing others and telling you how good you are because you're not like them. That voice is also toxic. It is not based on compassion and grace, but rather still based in areas of our life that aren't whole, that aren't healed. That brain protection part activates when you want to risk something or you're thinking about it or you want to try something new. Or when some, some of us are locked up, sometimes it's like getting out in a crowd, getting out of the house and it, it activates. You know, What if people don't like you? What if something bad happens? All that stuff starts firing off. And, uh, and you don't know how to shut it off. You know what I mean? And so when we have that thought, we look at it as a negative thought or a detrimental thought. And then we think, that's me. This is who I am. I'm a negative person. What that voice is saying, if you hear it often enough, you believe it's true about you. You believe what it says. It's been there longer than any other thing, it seems. i got to tell you, what gives it power is it sounds like an angry or a scolding parent or sometimes people equate it with the wrath of God. It's a loud, insistent voice. Sometimes impatient and anxious. 
And here's what it does. It makes you feel small or stupid or worthless. Even when nothing is happening, it just chatters. Now you say, well, that's, that's, uh, that's not so good, but let me tell you something. The brain's doing what it was designed to do. It's just focused wrong. Scripture today is going to help us get that back in focus. Would you like that? Yeah. Would you like to get that thing to be your friend instead of the, the, the voice that keeps telling you how messed up things are or could be or should be or how much of you can't do this? Would you like that voice to be more encouraging and friendly? There's a way to do that. We'll look at that in a second, but I want to take you a little further into the Scripture to understand that your brain is doing its job and now we have to take a step back, acknowledge that, and find out how to make it do it in a helpful way. In our Scripture today in Romans 8, it starts off with a very powerful verse. It says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? These things. He's talking about all the things that our life messes up, that there's challenges. And then he's, con- and he's convinced that all things, this is, this is a verse we like to quote, that all things work together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to His purposes. Right? So they all work together for good. And so he says, so then those things that seem like they're not so good, that seem bad, or the things that we struggle with, then are the things that Paul is talking to and about. And he's saying, what shall we say to those things? If God is for me, who or what can truly be against me? But let me add to that verse so you understand what it's saying. What or who can be against me in a way that's effective? More powerful than God. What actually can defeat me? And the answer to that is nothing. It's a rhetorical question. If God's for us, a lot of things are against us. All the dominions of Satan and all of uh, his minions are against us. So there is stuff against us, but they are not more powerful than God. Does that make sense? And so, when we think about what is against us, we, we also see that this critical voice in our heads can be against us. And we, and we want it to somehow just leave us alone. Sometimes that voice says, you don't matter. I've been in places when that voice was so loud saying, this world would be better off with you not in it. Mm-hmm. I've heard that voice say that. And, and at times in my life, I wanted to agree with it and say, yeah, that's right. This world would be better off without me in it. And though in the midst of depression, that's what you think. That's how you feel. And you want to say, man, I must be a bad person or something. The worst thing you can do in that moment is to argue and say, yes, I am. Because it will give you proof of all the things 
that it's trying to show you to make you worthless and bring you evidence. So don't let it do that. And don't compile proof to show it that that your life matters because that won't work either. You also can't say, shut up, voice. Shut up, noise. Because it doesn't listen. In our lives, we all are afflicted with something. It's true. And most people don't like that. We are not perfect. We say it all the time, nobody's perfect, but we don't talk about what is not perfect in ourselves. We don't talk about our flaws. For some reason, in church, it's supposed to be the place we can bring our woundedness, our brokenness, our hurt, and find healing and restoration. But it seems like we can't talk about those things because it's too painful or too close to home. Well, this morning, I'm talking about those things. Those places where we don't feel like we can talk about. Because this morning, as we invited God in, it became a place where we can. Where God will meet us here and begin to speak to those areas in our life. And so I want to share with you this morning that we all have a thorn in our flesh. As Paul says, he prayed to God and asked Him to get rid of it. Three times. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12... God responds. And I want you to hear what He says. Now you'd think, you know, Paul the Apostle, done all the great work, wrote a lot of the Bible. And it says, it's on the screen there, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, because Paul had all these revelations and face to face with Jesus. He said, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. Listen, a messenger of Satan. These negative voices are not from God. It's a function of the brain that's been perverted and twisted by the wickedness and evil in this world and sin. So that, that messenger was given to Buffett Paul and this thing, Buffett's, Buffett doesn't mean like a buffet. Buffett like pound you and hit you and strike you from all different directions when you're not looking. And isn't that how it works? Although you just feel beat up. And Paul says, I'm getting beat up. And he gave it to me lest I would uh, think I'm better. Lest I be exalted beyond measure or above measure. So concerning this thing, he says, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect or complete or whole in your weakness. God's strength in you is maturing in your brokenness, is what he's saying. Therefore, he says, most gladly, I'm going to boast about what's wrong with me, my infirmities. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. He says, therefore, I take pleasure in the infirmities of my life. The negative things, the voice that tells me I'm no good. And he also says this, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, I'm strong. Now listen what he says. He said that when he is in those situations, he's in them for Christ's sake. Get this, and this isn't a pleasant picture, but I'm going to paint it for you so you understand how this works. You're getting beat up by Satan and all this stuff, and the voice telling you're bad, and and he's looking at you, and you're saying, This is when you bring it to me, it's going to beat you into submission over here, but you've got to submit to me, not to that. Do not give in to the buffet. 
or the pounding that you're getting from the world and Satan around. Do not stand for that. Rather, let it turn you toward Me. So that when I am breaking or am wounded by that, it doesn't say, oh, look how bad I am. I'm not doing that. Satan's trying to convince me that there's something wrong with me. I'm just going to say, you're right. And now I need Jesus to make it right. I'm broken. I'm wounded. I have infirmities. And I'm going to bring them to God. And I'm going to continue to bring them to God until He says, you're stuck with them or I'm going to heal them. And if we're stuck with Him, He's going to use them for His glory. And if He heals you, praise Him. (laughs) For sure. For sure. That voice is such a noisy, annoying voice. I'll give you a true story. This, that voice only picks on one person. It's you. Because it's your voice. It's your head, right? I mean, it's not you saying it, but it's the voice of criticism that you carry. True story. This morning, our dog wakes up. Elvis wakes up. Walks to the door where my wife and I are sleeping and shakes. And you hear his collar shake. It means he has to use the restroom. Mm-hmm. I'm about to get up and get ready for uh, worship this morning. So my wife says, Are you, you want to go take him out? And I say, yeah, I'll go. So I get up and, he, and I said, let's go to the bathroom. He walks back into his bedroom with Katya, jumps on the bed, and I said, let's go potty. He lays down. <laughs> it's what he does. You know why? Because his torment isn't for me. He's going to torment my wife. That's her voice, not mine. It doesn't work. I can pick him up and he growls at me. (laughs) No, no, you're not the one I'm trying to torment. So I get up, I go down to the office, and as soon as I open and close the basement door to go down, Elvis goes back to the door and shakes. And he follows her out the door. Why? Because our voices are ours. Nobody else understands them. Nobody else hears Him. So when you're saying, I'm such a miserable person, nobody else gets that because it's yours alone to hear. And so wouldn't it be nice to let someone into that conversation to say, what am I supposed to do? How do I handle this? And that someone exists. His name is Jesus Christ. Nobody else knows that voice, but He hears it as well. So that's what he says. If God's for you, who can be against us? I've got to tell you this story. This is really cool. Didn't plan to say it, but I've got to tell you how this sermon came about and why this thought came. Last Sunday, we had communion here. And we had the elements out, the bread and the juice. And um, normally I'll say, this is the body of Christ for you. This is the blood of Christ for you. Last week... I had both elements on one plate and I didn't say that because it was both of them. And I realized as I was holding them, I held the entirety of the body and the blood. So I couldn't say, body, blood, Christ for you. <laughs> Just didn't work, right? So as each person, if you were here last week, you'll know what I said. I said, Christ for you. And as... I don't know why I do this, but I do different inflections for different people as they come up. Sometimes I'll say Christ for you. Sometimes I'll say Christ for you. Or Christ for you. Well, about the seventh person, and I don't know who it was, so I'm not picking on anybody. I said it different again, and it got me. I said Christ for you. 
And He is for you. He's on your side. Don't ever forget who's on your side. Even in those dark moments and scary moments and anxious moments, He's for you. And if He's for you, what can harm you that He won't let harm you? Nothing. He's only going to let in to the door what's going to transform you or transform others. It's always going to let in. But it's going to feel like death sometimes. And it's going to hurt sometimes because you've got to know that you can't do anything about it without Him. And if you keep trying to do this alone, it's going to feel lonely and broken and isolated like nobody cares. You've got to keep bringing it to Him. As long as the enemy keeps driving it to you, you keep driving to Jesus. Keep going, moving the thing forward back to Christ. That's what it's all about. But He's not just giving you something so you'll be miserable and letting you face that. Paul says, I was we the one who didn't spare his own son, this is back in Romans eight, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us everything? Sometimes we don't like the gift. Sometimes the gift is painful. But the gift that we get through the brokenness and the hurting in our life isn't the final gift. Yep. It isn't the final story. It isn't where we end. It's where we begin. We begin broken. We heal and transform in the presence of Christ to become a new and glorious creature mm-hmm. patterned after Him. Not after this world. Not after what those things tell us in our heads. Because they're going to lie sometimes. Or they'll stretch the truth. Or they'll exaggerate. Or they'll minimize. You know, not that this relates, but it'll minimize stuff too. That voice will, well, you know, you didn't do that much. It's okay. Look what they did. All those sorts of things. It'll get you into denial one way or the other. Or, or depression or anxiety. It just has its tools. They haven't changed. Satan keeps using the same stuff. And then he says it in verse uh, 33. Oh, I love this. Romans 8.33. If you've never circled a verse in your Bible, you ought to circle this one. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who thinks they're bold enough and audacious enough to condemn or convict you or challenge you as a child of God? What thinks it can come up against your heavenly Father? He defeated Satan on the cross. He can certainly defeat anything else. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Who can bring a charge or what against you? So when it's condemning you and that voice is criticizing you, pull that verse out. Pull it out and say, you're condemning me. You're not God. You're telling me I'm no good. God never said that. You're lying. I don't believe you. I don't want to believe you. But I'm struggling right now. So, it's God that's going to tell me whether I'm good or not. 34. Who is He who condemns? Oh, wait a minute. Do not go. It's this little thing, you know. Let me add the rest of the verse there that isn't in that sentence. Who is it who can actually condemn you permanently? Who can condemn you forever? Now, the voices in our head condemn us. There's no question. But they can't powerfully do it. They can only do it to you. But they can't destroy you. They can only speak and tell you things. But... 
Who is he who condemns? Who has the power to truly condemn you for eternity? And you're going, well, it must be Satan. Not Satan. Satan doesn't have that power. It's the answer. It's Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can condemn you. Did you know that? And He has chosen to pray for you instead. The only one who has authority in heaven and earth to condemn has chose rather to die for you and pray for you. To be your defense, not your condemner. I never thought of it like that until this week when I saw it said that Jesus Christ is the one who actually has a voice of condemnation that He never uses. He never uses it. He says, I love you. I'm here for you. I want to bring you home. I came... Do you ever read John 3.16? For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But what does 17 say? For God did not send His Son into the world. He came not to condemn the world but that it might be saved. He did not come to condemn you. Anything condemning you is not sent from God. Amen. So you have to learn that those voices are not sent from God, but something trying to buffet you, and that therefore, when you hear them, you bring it to God. God, this is what's being said. What do you say? I don't condemn you. I love you. I'm praying for you. So who shall separate us? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. That's verse 35. Oh, there's that word, persecution. And that's what that voice does. Persecutes. Over and over and over. So God, maybe you prayed this prayer. So God, why did you give me this particular thing and you're not getting rid of it? It's really driving me crazy. I can't seem to make it stop. What's the reason for it? And here's what he's going to say. Because there's a reason for you to have that so you will understand someone else who has the same thing. I'm building in compassion. If you're never broken, you can't understand a broken person. If you've never hurt anywhere, you'll never understand someone who's hurting if we prejudge someone with the I'm better than them voice, it's because we don't know how they got that way. And so we have no idea what it's like to walk 10 miles in their shoes, let alone one foot. And so we, the voices tell us to judge rather than to have compassion. That's why those voices are toxic as well. We don't need them either. So, when we feel tempted to condemn ourselves or someone else or judge ourselves or someone else because those noisy voices in our head tell us to. God's trying to say, bring it to me and I'll tell you what's true here. Bring yourself to me. Let me show you how this works in relationships. I hope you can follow this. This is very, very powerful and so true in so many families, relationships, marriages. Um... Imagine, if you will, someone who in their life has always been an angry person. And so most of their responses are based in anger. Then the voices say to someone who's responding in anger, the voice says, they're going to hurt you. You need to hurt them first. You need to protect yourself. You need to stand up to them. And it's always about safety and protection and 
Uh, sometimes it's about respect or honor that they're not getting or something that isn't present in their life. And so that person comes to a conversation and they're already disposed, their, their tendency to bark and dog in their head says, get ready to be angry. Angry, angry, be angry. They're going to take something. They're going to hurt you. They're going to lie to you. They're going to steal. Protect, protect, protect. And it's already barking because it's been barking their whole life. Now it seems like it's a normal thing. This is what we do. We protect ourselves. That's what the thought is. So suppose someone comes to them innocently and says, so anything interesting happened today? And suppose nothing did. The simple answer would be, no, not really. But if you're angry, you're going to say, why, what do you think I did? I never do nothing. And they come out angry, right? But what if the conversation were different and the person who's angry all of a sudden realized that the person was asking him an innocent question? No, nothing for me. What about for you? Instead of being angry and defensive, just responding with, no, is there anything for you? And they say, yeah, I'm so mad because this happened. And the angry person goes, oh, now I've got to fix it. Now you're telling me about it because I've got to fix it. That's how guys say. A woman says, oh, yeah, I need to hear about this and I'll get mad with you. <laughs> and we'll all get mad together and we'll figure it out and we'll get mad and we'll, we'll put it on Facebook. <laughs> Maybe not on Facebook. You know, it might be Instagram. Uh-huh. Snapchat, whatever, you know, the social scene, right? That's how that works. But listen to this. If the person says, you know, yeah, I had a really bad day and this is what's going on. I'm really angry about this. And the other person says, who's, who's, who's angry, and their disposition is to be angry response, has compassion because they've learned that their anger is to recognize anger and hurt in another. And they say, it sounds like you're angry. I recognize that feeling. And I recognize it's probably coming from a place of hurt and pain because mine does. So what's going on? Do you get that? Mm-hmm. That anger disposition now becomes a way to have compassion and understanding on the other person. So your weakness, which is your brokenness when placed in God's hand, gives you a way to reach into a situation and harness your pain to heal. But if you don't acknowledge your brokenness, you can never come to God and say, use this. You keep defending it, protecting it, and isolating from the world and people around you because you think it's not safe. God is for you. Nothing's going to destroy you. You're safe. In God's arms. You are. So every conversation you have, no matter what you do or what you endeavor, God's on your side. And if He's on your side, He's helping you to get to His desire for your life. But if you don't know that, and you, and you walk around with anxiety like I did, or depression like I did, or, or fear, you're going to say, you know, I'm afraid I can't do this, or I, I don't matter, or i got to do it now, <laughs> depending on which of the three are active, you know. And, and all of a sudden, I can't bring that and say, what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. But if I say clearly, I'm struggling with my own identity and who I am and, and, and my depression or my anxiety, I just can't seem to calm my mind down and I don't know what to do about it. God, can you help me understand the pain 
that you're protecting me from with this. Remember, the brain's function as a barking dog is to protect you from ex expected pain. And the only way you can have expected pain is if you had past pain. And that past pain is what's driving this stuff. They're going to hurt me. They're going to take advantage of me. <laughs> and God says, if you can bring this to me, I will show you the pain behind it so when others are trying to take advantage of you, you can see their pain. And maybe speak to their heart and their soul about what's driving them. And maybe one day, in that moment when you do, they'll find something new. And that is hope. Rather than condemnation and judgment. Because I promise you the voices in their head are telling them the same thing that you probably thought about them when you first met them. Do you see the difference here? We can run around and listen to that stuff, but until it drives us to our knees before God and we ask God to use it for His glory and we let Him show us the pain behind it, we carry it. God goes further than any pain you've ever felt. Anything anybody's ever done to you, anything that anybody's ever said to you, God's love goes deeper. He was on your side then. He loved you even then. And He loves you now. There are so many, so many voices in this world you can listen to. So many. Your own. The one in your head. People who, ex who affirm you or criticize you. You can listen to a, an author, a counselor, a trusted mentor, the voice of God, a pastor on, in church, or the whisper of the Holy Spirit. There are lots of voices to listen to in this world. But I have to tell you a story. I used to serve a church in Illinois. And in the youth group was a young man. And he and I went one day to Dixon Springs State Park. Maybe you've been there, I'm not sure. It has Mount Eclipse, rocks you can climb. And he wanted to climb this certain rock. And I said, here's the easy way. He said, where's the hard way? I said, oh, I can't climb that way. I can't show you. But some people who have strong hands can. So he tried. He got two-thirds of the way up. And he got stuck. He's about 50 feet off the ground, maybe 40. If he falls, he's going to hit his head on a rock behind him. He's going to die. We both know this. And he said, um, I'm stuck. I said, hang on, I'll be up in a minute. So I went up the easy way. Went up the rock. And I stood on the ledge where he was at, and his hands were about four inches below my feet where I was squatting. And he looked at me. And he said, can you pull me up? Can you help me? And I said, I don't know, but you're going to have to let go and we'll find out. And as he let go and I reached down the extra four inches and got his hands, his eyes bulged. Big. Because he started falling. You saw the fear of death. I did that day in his eyes. But then my hands locked on his. And I don't know how, but my feet gripped, my arms tightened, and I lifted him straight up and set him on the top of the rock. And he said, you just saved my life. 
And I said, yeah, okay, yes, I can help you. But I didn't know, neither did you. Do you understand, when you let go and let God grab a hold of you, it feels like it's gonna, everything's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. had a conversation with that same man. He's now in his 30s, maybe 40s now. A few weeks, uh, years ago. And uh, we talked. Hadn't talked in years. And I called him and said, Hey, guess who this is? He says, I know who that is. And he called me by the nickname that he, sh- he called me by. And I said, How'd you know it was me? He said, That voice. That voice. That voice will always get me closer to God. Mine? He goes, Yeah, yours. You always bring me closer to God. That voice has always been a voice of safety. The question I have for you is, have you found the safe voice yet in your life? Have you heard the voice that's safe when your life has fallen apart? Who do you turn to? Where do you go? Or do you just keep listening to the noise? I promise you, God has a safe voice. And there are people who will love you and care for you if you'll just begin to talk about it. And let yourself feel like you're going to die when God pulls you up. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, sometimes it's really hard to trust. Sometimes, maybe all the time. Sometimes it's what we need the most and fear the worst. And this morning I'm asking that if anybody here today is had that condemnation and getting beat up by Satan, Heavenly Father, that this day you give them that voice. That voice that says, I've got this situation. Nobody's going to condemn you or hurt you without my permission. And I'm going to grab on even in the moment when you feel like it's over. Heavenly Father, I ask right now, if there's anybody here that hasn't gotten that in their life, that you begin to establish that, restore that, so that the deeper healing can come. I ask you for that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.